Welcome one and all. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this installment of BCB, Business Casual Basketball. We're back at it. So um, this is Aaron Washington, your host, of course, uh, solo on this podcast, but I have some people lined up for the next few episodes that will be glad to join me to give you guys a little bit more entertainment value going forward in future episodes. But for this one, today, on October 28th of 2021, just a little over a week into the NBA season, I wanted to come back to you guys and finish out this season preview series. Now, if you recall, I've done a few episodes on this already. I've gone through some of the borderline contender teams. I've gone through the teams that will be rebuilding, such as the Thunder, the Rockets, and the like. Uh, but there's a, some teams that I haven't quite covered yet. And of course, the season has started, but it's never too late to cover some teams and give some previews and give some analysis on where I think that might end up this season. So there's a decent amount of teams on this one. So this is going to be more of a rapid fire sort of format for this episode, a lightning round, if you will. Uh, just want to cover a little bit about each team, maybe a few predictions I have for them, and then a few thoughts on my outlook for them going into this season. So that's going to be about it for this one. Don't want to take too much of your guys' time being solo. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it for number 161 here for Business Casual. So uh, the first team that I want to cover, I'm going to start with the uh, legitimate playoff squads. And a little bit later on, I will transition to four teams that I believe uh, are in the championship or bust category. So team number one for this episode, guys, we're going to start off with the Indiana Pacers, a team that is struggling to start this season, to be frank. Uh, they're one and four as of today's recording on the 28th of October. Uh, they lost last night against the Toronto Raptors, 118 to 100. Uh, Brogdon is already out due to injury. He joins Karis LeVert and TJ Warren on the injury list. So that's unfortunate and it's uh, very concerning. And I will say that I completely expected this team to be injured. I expected Levert to miss the few first few games of the season. I expected TJ Warren to miss a good part of the season, still recovering from a foot injury, which to be honest is not a good look because he's been out for a while. He most missed most of last season too. So they really need him back. Uh, but Brogdon, this is a name I knew he was going to get hurt because if you go back and you look at previous seasons and you go look at how many games this man has missed over the past few years, um, it's substantial. Uh, I mean, his rookie season, he was at 75, really good. Uh, but by year two, he was at 48 games at 82. So he missed a lot of time. Uh, he only played 64 the year after that. Uh, and the COVID shortened season, he played 54 out of 72. So he still missed 18 games. And then last season, um, he played 56. So actually in 1920, I think there was um, a little bit more or maybe less than 72, but for last year, for that 72 games, he only played 56 out of 72. Uh, and then this season, he's already injured. They're five games in, and he has a strained hamstring. And if you guys know anything about injuries in the NBA, injuries in general, hamstrings aren't injuries that just go away after a few days. I mean, some of these things really linger on, and they can tweak. I mean, look at James Harden. He tweaked his hamstring in that series, uh, that playoff series, and uh, he never was the same. And he might still be dealing with some after effects of that. So it's unfortunate for the Pacers. I hate to see that for them because on paper, from 1 to 10, 11, 12, they have a pretty solid roster. TJ McConnell is a great role player. Justin Holiday as well. Chris, Chris Duarte, um, 
out of the draft looks really solid. Um, but unfortunately they just haven't had the guys, the firepower necessary to compete on a night to night basis. So if you go look at the Pacers numbers, um, their defense is the major issue right now, 25th in the league at 112 points, um, per 100 possessions. So it's not a good look for them. They're 22 out of 30 teams in terms of net rating. Uh, and then going back to Chris Duarte for a second, I mean, he's playing 37 minutes a game. And uh, I mean, sure, the rookie is NBA ready and he, he's already in the top probably three to five players in terms of rookie of the year watch, which is great, but he shouldn't be carrying this much of a load for you. If he has to play 37 minutes a game, you're in trouble uh, because in an ideal scenario, he is a guy coming off the bench, give them, uh, I don't know, 25 to 28 minutes a game, maybe 30 if he closes games, but 37 is very high. And then uh, Sabonis, who's had a few great games of his own, not last night. Last night he had only four shots, which is very puzzling to me. But he's playing 39 minutes a game. So those guys are getting major run. And you run the risk of burning guys out once you get towards the latter half of the season, which is not what you want, especially if you're a team like Indiana, who, I mean, healthy, I had them as a solid playoff squad. But honestly, if they can't get healthy, they're a playing team or worse. So that's where the Pacers stand right now. It's definitely not a good look for them. They're going to have to figure out this defense somehow. Turner has been up and down as usual. Uh, I go back to my fantasy team, my fantasy uh, strategy, so to speak, when I look at these players. For Brogdon, I didn't draft him because I knew this would happen. I knew he's going to be hurt. Maybe not this soon, but I knew it was going to happen. Same thing with Lavert. I knew he was going to be on the shelf, didn't draft him. Uh, so bonus, I wanted to draft, but he was going really high, uh, and for a good reason, cause he's a great player, but then, you know, you look at Turner and it's like draft Turner, Turner's a great player. I mean, yeah, he's pretty solid, but he doesn't inspire confidence for me in terms of his night to night game, his aggressiveness, his confidence. So yeah, there's just a lot of question marks right now with Indiana. Um, they're well coached. Rick Carlisle is on the staff now. So I don't expect them to stay bad and stay, you know, three games under 500 or more, but they got to figure this out, man. And fast because the East is tough. The, the, the Hornets, the, the Bulls, man, the Knicks, there's some tough competition in the East. So if you dig yourself a hole, this is what I talked about with uh, the Raptors not too long ago, you're going to be in trouble. So that's where they stand and we'll see how they address that. Next team on this list, another solid playoff squad, if all things going according to plan, I think they'll be maybe around the play-in game. Ninth seed is where I have them finishing out for the season. Portland Trailblazers, uh, they're two and two right now as of tonight's recording. So their last game, uh, you know, they had a big win against Memphis uh, just last night. I mean, they beat them by I think twenty points, ninety-six to one sixteen. So very solid game for them. Uh, the game prior, they were blown out by the Clippers. So um, who I will speak about in a few minutes here, but up and down a little bit right now for the Blazers they are at 500. I think that's where they're going to stay. To be honest, I think they're going to be hovering around 500 for the whole season. They're going to have great games where CJ McCollum and, and Lillard and those guys are going off, but they're still very dependent on those two players. And you go look at the rest of the roster. You look at the front court. Nurkic is not equipped to score. Covington is not equipped to score. Larry Nance, um, you know, Covington and you know, all these guys, that's not their MO. That's what Lillard and McCollum are there to do. And uh, Anthony Simons, that's what they're supposed to do out there. And Norman Powell, 
who is actually out for him with injury. I kind of forgot about him, but he's currently injured. And that's, that's a huge blow to this team who relies on those guys to be reliable sources of offense. So the big story for Portland right now is Dame Dalla. Where is Dame Dalla? Uh, missing in action. He's completely, not completely, but he's pretty MIA right now. Um, the missing signs on the milk cartons have been put out in Portland right now. He's only averaging 17.8 points a game. And a lot of players in the league would give the right arm and leg to average 17.8 points per game. But this is Lillard we're talking about. All-NBA first, second team Lillard. Borderline MVP candidate Lillard. A multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA Lillard. Uh, 17.8 is not going to get it done for this team if they want to win anything of consequence. So, you know, I don't expect him to, like, ask for a trade or anything right now, even though the team is struggling, because he himself is struggling. So as long as he is struggling and the team is kind of floundering with him, there's no reason to ask for a trade. He's part of the problem, honestly, right now. And I'm one of the biggest Dame fans out there, so I'm just keeping it real right now. But you look at his percentages. His shooting percentages are very troubling. 33% from the field, 17% from three. He is 94% from the line, but 17% from three. I mean, this is one of the best three-point shooters, not just in today's game, but in history. Logo Lillard is not present right now. Uh, he's really hurting my fantasy team, which is it's selfish of me. But, I mean, he needs to help both of us out, right? He needs to help me out with my team. He needs to help out the Blazers. So if he plays better, everybody wins, right? So hopefully that becomes a thing sooner rather than later. Uh, but speaking of CJ McCollum, I mean, he's balling. He's not the issue whatsoever. He's averaging 26.8 points per game on 48 from the field, 47 from three, and 90 from the line. So he's a, oh, around a 50-40-90 and it's similar to the start that he had last season. If you recall, last season in those 10 games or so before he got hurt, I mean, he was a walking bucket. He was a borderline all-star. He was routinely shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three, destroying defenses, crossing guys up. I mean, doing the CJ thing, but on an even bigger, higher level than usual. So this season is like a continuation of that, which is great to see. But CJ can't be the sole guy on offense carrying the load like this. He's not a number one guy on a playoff team. A number two, sure. And maybe certain nights he's a number one, but he can't be the savior every night. And then going back to those role players for a second, Cody Zeller, Anthony Anthony Simons, uh, Nazir Little, who started in place of Norman Powell um, in the past few games, they're going to be huge. I call them the swing players. They're going to swing the pendulum positively or negatively, depending on their play. So Lillard and McCollum, at least Lillard in a normal scenario, not right now when he's in a slump, but in a normal scenario, they're going to be pretty steady. Those other guys, you know, not quite sure from night to night. So they have to be on point if Portland wants to compete in the Western Conference. Not the gauntlet that it used to be right now with some teams weakened over there, but it's still pretty tough, but you can't let down for a minute or you're going to have some issues. Uh, the Clippers are going to come in there and beat the brakes off of you. So you got to be ready. Uh, so those are the guys that Portland really needs to step up right now. You know, Anthony Simons. I mean, this is it, man. I mean, he's been the backup point for, this is like three year three of this experiment. He needs to have a, a mini breakout. And this is his time. He's going to get plenty of minutes. The team is looking for offense, especially if, if Lillard or McCollum are off the floor. 
So he has to be on point. Um, you know, Cody Zeller and Larry Nance, very solid pickups. They've been about as advertised so far, you know, pretty solid defense. I think they're playing a part in Portland's 15th ranked defense right now, 105.8 points per 100. So they're, 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 they're doing their job so far, but they're not going to give a lot of offense. So that's where the other guys need to step up and uh, be a little bit more impressive on that end so far. So that's Portland's story. And uh, hopefully a little turns it around, not just for my sake, but for the sake of his team. The third team on the list today, man, New York. Wow. Uh, I had New York finishing, uh, man, around the, in the ninth seed in the East. And right now they look much better than that. So, you know, as of this recording, I mean, they're coming off of a, of a huge win against the Philadelphia 76ers. They clamped up and bead. They clamped up Seth Curry. Both of those guys shot terribly from the field. I mean, Seth Curry was coming off of a huge game against the Thunder, and he got his water turned off. He was a non-factor. He only had four points. And uh, going back to fantasy again, I mean, he's had one fantasy point. So Seth Curry is a major driver of this offense without Ben Simmons, and he was locked up. And if he and Embiid are locked up, chances are you win the game, and that's exactly what happened for New York. So a couple of quotes here from um, the internet about the Knicks. So this one is from Chris Herring of Sports Illustrated. Shout out to Chris. Great, great writer out there. Uh, Through the first four games uh, for the Knicks, uh, they're launching from deep 46 times per night. 46 threes a night. Pretty incredible. Aside from that, outpacing any other team in the league, New York's three-point jump from last year is one of the most drastic in NBA history. Wow. The Knicks took only 30 shots from three last season, meaning their attempts per game are up by more than 53%. Um, So that's Chris's quote from Sports Illustrated that I clipped earlier. Uh, That's really incredible. And then another one uh, from an account on Twitter, no team has ever averaged 13 threes made from above the break. So above the break, if you have the three-point line, it's right here. It's going to be above the break. So pretty much you know, outside of the corners, more towards the sides, the middle of the three-point line up there is going to be above the break. Uh, so 13 threes made from above the break. The Knicks averaged 13.8 threes made per game thus far from above the break. So think about that. No team has averaged 13 made threes from above the break. The Knicks are at 13.8 as of today. Now, these numbers, small sample size. Every, every stat that I list today just keep in mind that it's small sample size theater. So it may or may not hold up over the course of the season, but we're not covering the season, at least not completely. I'm covering predictions and covering today. And as of today, the Knicks are one of the best three shooting teams in the entire league. And that was a major area of weakness for the last season. So obviously bringing in Kemba, bringing in Fournier was huge. Those are huge signings. Uh, and then everybody else is just jacking, man. I mean, Randall's jacker, jacking, you know, you know, quickly's going to jack, uh, you know, RJ's going to jack. I mean, they're just getting the threes up. It's like the new age Houston Rockets or something. It's really incredible. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, 53% increase for um, attempted threes is pretty incredible for New York. And then that's fueling their fifth ranked offense as of today. They're still 12th in defense, pretty solid, not as good as last season, but if their offense is that improved, it's not going to matter that they take a small step back on, on defense. It's really incredible. 
So uh, that's really an impressive feat. And then Kemba looks like he's returning to form. He had 19 points in that last game against the Sixers. He's spry again. He was making his signature crisscross applesauce moves. He looked fresh. So that's huge for him and that, and, and that team. You know, Kemba's got to be Kemba or they're not going to go far. Even for the mid-level exception money they got him for pretty cheap, he's got to be pretty solid. Maybe not all-star Kemba, but solid starter Kemba. You know, occasionally having flashes of his old self. I don't think that version of Kemba is ever coming back but they don't need that version. There's a guy named Julius Randle on this team who can assume many of the duties of carrying the squad like he did last year. And so far, I mean, he's doing that. He's playing 37 minutes a game, which I do think is a little bit concerning. Uh, He did kind of seem to burn out last season in the playoffs. So I think playing this guy 37 minutes a game is going to backfire. So I think more minutes should be given to Obi Toppin and, and those guys because you want Randall fresh for the playoffs. I mean, retooling this roster, the whole reason was to compete for, you know, a real legitimate, uh, you know, playoff run, not just to make it again as a, as a six seed. I don't think that's the goal there in, in New York, as far as I can tell. So give Toppin some run, you know, give Robinson more run. No one's no well, you know, Taj Gibson don't make, uh, Randall played 37 minutes a game for the second year in a row because as we've seen with typical teams, players, they wear down over time. Luol Dang, Jimmy Butler to an extent, they get burned out. So pump the brakes, it's probably not going to happen, but if you can pump the brakes a little bit, I think that would help a lot. Uh, it's unfortunate for Emmanuel quickly that his minutes are probably going to get pinched again because Rose and, and Kemba and, and Fournier like those guys are to play a lot of minutes. So, so far this season, I mean, quickly is playing 14 minutes a game, which is down five minutes per game from last season. Last season, he got 19. Pretty good for a rookie, but down to 14. He should stay ready because Kemba and Rose don't ex- exactly inspire the most confidence when it comes to just being there from night to night. So they're probably going to get hurt at some point. So quickly needs to stay ready for his shot. But right now, I mean, he's not getting a lot of minutes. So I hate to see that for him and Toppin, but their time is coming. Best believe it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come if Thibodeau keeps running these guys into the ground. And one last thing, Mitchell Robinson, big X factor for this team. Will he stay healthy for most of the season? He's already had a scare as far as an injury this season. Uh, but he has flashes of being a really incredible player. And I was on Twitter earlier discussing this with somebody. And I had pointed out that, like, I've been on the Mitchell Robinson defensive player of the year potential train since his rookie year he's had those flashes he just needs to cut down on the fouling cut down on the the, the chasing shot blocking and just be healthy and he can be there and the Knicks uh being a team that uh coached by Thibodeau I'm sure he would love to have somebody in the defensive player of the year conversation so a lot to talk about with the Knicks that's just a little bit but suffice to say they're looking good right now they're looking really good and you know as of today the three and one third in the East. Let's see if they can keep it up. I mean, this team is going to be fun to watch and then their fans are in a frenzy. So good vibes from New York. Um, You know, it looks like it's going to be another solid season. Even if they don't win a championship or anything, they should be pretty legit again. Uh, And that's music to the ears of New York fans who have been suffering, suffering for so long. Number four on this list. So this is the fourth team in the solid playoff team tier. Um, Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are four and zero. Oh. 
uh, as of today uh, before their schedule gets a little bit rougher. Uh, I have a quote for that one too a little bit later on. Um, you know, as of today, they're four and oh, best start for the Chicago Bulls since the 96 97 season. This is the best stretch of games. This is Zach Levine's first four game winning streak in his career. Imagine that. I mean, he's been in the league since 2014. So I think this is his eighth season. And this is his first season in which he has won four games in a row. That's pretty cool. Shout out to Levine. He's been patient. He's been grinding. And now it's a chance for him to really compete in the Eastern Conference. So clearly, uh, getting in Ball, bringing in Lonzo Ball, bringing in Caruso, bringing in DeRozan look like excellent additions to this team. They weren't cheap. I mean, these three guys are making a pretty penny together, especially DeRozan being over $20 million a season for, I want to say, the next three years. But if they keep producing like this, it's a huge if because four games in right now, only four games. But if they keep doing stuff like this, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a great few-year run for the Chicago Bulls. Another team that's gone through a lot of turmoil over the past five years Wade, Rondo, and Jimmy Butler didn't work out. You know, drafted Kobe White. He's not the guy they thought he was. Markinen's out of town. I mean, just a lot of blunders and missed opportunities for the Knicks over the past few years. But this is big for them. This is their time to shine. So another team on this list, aside from New York, that has been in a rough position, but they're finally ready to break out. So... Uh, you know, they're, those three guys, they're going to be relied on to be huge for this team, and I'm sure they will. Uh, ball for, you know, just whipping that ball around and just being a, a pesky defender, uh, improved three-point shot. Caruso, again, another pesky guy, makes the little plays, can hit reliably hit a three-pointer, pretty good defender at the point of attack. DeRozan being a closer. I mean, he was a great closer the other night against the, the Toronto Raptors, a game in which they kind of blew a little bit of a lead but they hung on. Uh, so they won that game by three and DeRozan went into hero mode in the last minute or two of that game, hitting his signature fadeaway two point jumpers uh, in the face of Gary Trent jr. Boy was too little. He had no chance to stop DeRozan. That's what he does. So those guys have been excellent pickups so far, but believe it or not, that's not where they're destroying teams. It's, it's crazy. Like they're 13th in offense. It's good. I thought they were going to blow teams away on offense and be bad on defense. It's the opposite. They're okay on defense and they're really solid on defense right now. Second overall uh, in the league in, in, in defensive rating, uh, 97.9. I want to say number one team is Miami. Watch out for Miami. Uh, but anyways, I mean, we know that ball and Caruso are going to be solid on defense, but they got Patrick Williams guys. They got um, I just in the draft Sorry if I butchered his name. I tried. You know, they, they have these guys, uh, Elise Johnson. They have some scrappy competitors. And just having Ball and Caruso and guys like that at the top and guys on the wings able to come in and help and not uh, just leave Nikola Vucevic out there to just get destroyed in the paint, uh, it, it's huge for them. So I highly doubt this is going to hold. I think their defense is going to regress a decent amount, but – that's pretty cool that they're second in defense through four games. That's uh, a very impressive mark for this team with not a lot of individual stoppers, but they have some pretty good off-ball defenders, some good guys like in the system, they're pretty solid. So I love to see that. 
And I did mention a quote about their schedule. So here is that quote from Dan Devine of The Ringer. So he mentions that Chicago's next 14 games, that's a lot of games, will come against teams that made the playoffs or the play-in tournament last season, including a five-game, five-game West Coast trip that will see them take on the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, and the Nuggets in the span of one week. So buckle your seatbelts, Bulls fans. It's going to get rough. And I'm right there with you because Miami is going through a rough stretch of their own. So uh, that's a lot of stiff competition. I mean, even if the Lakers don't have LeBron or something like that, or, you know, Curry, the the Warriors don't have Klay Thompson, uh, or the Clippers don't have Kawhi, that's still a rough gauntlet. I mean, any five-game West Coast trip is not such sledding whatsoever. And, I mean, they're going to play a bunch of playoff teams, playoff teams and play-in teams. So – no Pistons, who they play in the first game. No Pelicans, who they play in the second game. Pistons again. So, I mean, they played the Pistons twice in the first four games. So, I think something needs to be said about that. The Pistons are not a great basketball team. And then the Raptors, who they barely beat. So, I think this is a little bit of a mirage. I think some things are going to come back to earth for them. Uh, but I will say this is a good basketball team. This is a pretty legit basketball team. I had them as the seventh seed in the East in my predictions. I think they'll finish around there. You know, six could be in the cards for them. I'm not going to go crazy and say, like, this team is elite or anything like that. But they're going to make some noise in the East, and they're here to stay for the next few years. Do not take the Bulls lightly. Because so far, they're making their name not on offense, but on defense. So you really got to be careful and ready to uh, bring your A game if you want to beat these guys. So, uh, you know, Levine does have a torn ligament, I think, in his thumb right now so that's might hamper shooting percentages if we go back in history and maybe find some stats about guys that had a torn ligament in one of their fingers i'm sure that their percentages took a dip but even if that happens and they stay pretty solid on defense chicago might make it out of this gauntlet in one piece we're just gonna have to see how they respond to some adversity because right now it's been smooth sailing but uh i mean you do have to take care of the bad teams i will say that uh, but let's see how they fare against the, the more elite teams. That's going to be a pretty good barometer of where they stand in the NBA right now. Uh, you know, while we're on the subject of fun teams, let's talk about the Hornets for a second. I mean, my God, you know, Queen City, Buzz City, Hornets fans, rejoice. You have one of the most exciting basketball teams in the league. Think about that. Two years ago, I thought this team was in the middle of the ocean, just in the middle of the desert with no water whatsoever. I thought they were going to go through three or four years of just, just drowning and in losses and trying to find their way, making bad draft picks. But clearly, LaMelo Ball might be the best draft pick, possibly. I mean, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. But he might be the best draft pick they've ever made in their history, the Hornets. They've only been around since the 80s. But, I mean, Lonzo Mourning is, of course, in that conversation. But, like, LaMelo could be one of the great players in this league. He's already one of the most exciting to watch. So if he kind of takes that fearless nature, and I think JJ Redick had an episode about this recently on his podcast. He said, you know, he was talking about LaMelo's like fearless nature of how he plays and just almost like reckless and, you know, high risk plays. That's who he is. You got to let LaMelo be who he is. He's going to have some turnovers. He's going to be a little bit off the, off the tracks a little bit. That's okay. Because guess what? The Hornets are second in offense in the whole league right now. Pretty legit. That brings them to a four and one record as of tonight. 
Uh, their last game was a nine-point win over the Magic. And, you know, they're first in transition points per possession. They're fifth in pace. They're ninth in frequency. Uh, those numbers are from cleaning the glass uh, and basketball reference. But, uh, you know, that's crazy impressive. This team is gunning up and down the court. And it makes sense, right? Because you have guys like Terry Rozier, who actually hasn't played that much yet. You have LaMelo, you have Bridges, you have Kelly Oubre, you have Mason Plumlee, you know, runs the floor pretty well for a center. Uh, Ish Smith, one of the fastest players in the league, still after freaking like 12 years in the league, really incredible. But yeah, LaMelo is just electric. He drives this team. The team is meh without LaMelo. When LaMelo is in the game, he turns everything up to 11. Long threes, crazy lob attempts, behind-the-back passes, no-look passes, flashy dribbles. Uh, pretty much any NBA fan's absolute dream if you love flashy players. That's LaMelo's MO. That's what he does. And, uh, you know, th- he's been huge for them, and there's no denying his importance to this team. But we have to discuss Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, you know, if I'm going to be Eric Collins for a second, man, 26 and eight through the first five games. And I saw some signs of his breakout last season because I was in the fantasy draft. We get towards the the second half of the draft. I look at his numbers from last season. I say to myself, I I think this is the start of something special because I saw his scoring every year tick up into the teens. His percentages tick up because I remember his first two years, n- nothing really special from free. I mean, kind of struggled from there, to be honest. You know, his rookie year, he's at 32%. Second year, he's at 33%. And last year, 40 On five, let's see here. I want to make sure I got this right. 4.4 attempts per game. So I say to myself, okay, I think this is sustainable. If you can stay in the 37 to 40% range, this guy is going to really take a leap. And boy, has he taken a leap because the Hornets have had some injury issues. As I stated, Terry Rozier hasn't played very much. P.J. Washington's transitioning to center a little more than power forward. And uh, there was a quote from Basketball News saying he actually feels really comfortable at center and he can force mismatches at center. So it opens up more time for Miles Bridges to come in at power forward and just really destroy folks. That's exactly what he's been doing. I mean, his usual flashy dunks, but he's so much more than just a, a, a dunker right now. He's a shooter. He's a cutter. He's a, a light ball handler. He's a power player that can abuse the mismatches. He's even shooting 90% from the free throw line, guys. I mean, this is legit. These numbers won't sustain, but the breakout is here to stay. Miles Bridges is legit, and uh, you need to keep your eye out for him because he's going to be one of the major drivers of success for the Hornets. So I think my preseason prediction for them as far as in the Eastern Conference uh, I, I think I had them around the uh, 10th seed. I feel bad about that. I, I feel bad. I will be honest. I should have had them at eighth or so. They might still be in the playing game, but they have a great chance of this year of actually making it out of the playing game and not getting blasted in the first game of the playing game like they did last year. So look out for the Hornets guys. They're legit. Gordon Hayward is still around. I mean, but they're not counting on him to be as effective as he was before. Uh, you know, Rozier is going to come back. He's going to be another uh, you know, spark plug. PJ Washington's going to play more games. He's going to get more comfortable. And Ish Smith is going to keep being Ish Smith, one of the fastest players in the league. So look out. Don't blink. You might miss him. I mean, don't blink. You might miss the Hornets because they're doing this, the whole lot of going up and down the court. So 
one of the funnest teams in the NBA right now. Don't take your eyes off of them because they're a league pass treat every night. Thanks to LaMelo, Miles Bridges, and those other guys who are contributing to uh, their 4-1 record. Uh, you know, I think they had their first 3-0 start the other night in their entire franchise history. So shout out to the Hornets. They're making waves in the Eastern Conference. So I've given a lot of credit to a few Eastern Conference teams, New York, Chicago, Charlotte. But there's another team, you know, in another conference that deserves a lot of credit for making a splash in the first few games. The Memphis Grizzlies guys. Memphis has got a guy by the name of John Morant. Maybe you've heard of him. I, I think I've heard of him a few times. Supposedly, he's pretty good. Supposedly, he's another exciting young guard who's going to lead the next era of NBA basketball. I mean, let me know if you've heard of him. Um, he's There's some good things being said about him right now. So I think it's part of the reason why, I mean, the Grizzlies are only two and two. I mean, it's not like they're four and one or anything, but they're very solid, very solid team. And, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit about Ja because he deserves it. You know, he's having one of the best shooting seasons from inside the paint uh, of all time right now, which is pretty incredible. His three-point um, shot looks a little bit improved. Uh, as of today, he sits at about 45% on six attempts per game. So his attempts are up, his percentage is up. So obviously 45% is not going to hold. But if he can hold and in the high 30s, if he can even hold at 36 to 37, boy, it's going to be tough to stop this guy. You're not going to be able to go under screens forever. So do it while you can today. Maybe it'll work out for you. Maybe it won't. But if it doesn't, boy, this dude's legit. So, I mean, Jaws getting a ton of run right now. He's playing 34 and a half minutes per game. He's getting up 20 shots per game. He's averaging 30 points per game. Believe it or not, John Morant currently leads the league in scoring at 30 and a half points a game. Even through four games, I did not expect that to happen. I didn't expect him to be outscoring KD and, and Bradley Beal and LeBron and, and Durant. Um, I already said Durant. And, and Lillard and all these other guys. Didn't see that coming, but here we are. And I think he's going to remain in the top 10 in scoring this season. Uh, maybe at like 24 to 25 points a game. If he does that, Grizzlies are making waves this season. I mean, put it on paper right now. But I don't want to talk too much about him because there's two other players that are low-key having a leap right now. Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton, two low-profile players. John Morant was the second overall pick, guys, out of uh, Wichita State. So we knew about John Morant before he got drafted. Nobody was talking about Desmond Bain before he got drafted. Uh, you know, he was one of those kind of like under-the-radar older guys that might come in and be a decent contributor. The Grizzlies love their older guys coming out of the draft. I mean, they drafted Brandon Clark a couple of years ago. They drafted uh, you know, Desmond Bain last year with the last pick of the first round. And guess what? In his sophomore season, he's averaging 19 points a game through four games. Uh, I got his percentages right here if you guys want to know that. He's averaging 19 points a game on 50, 40, 87. So almost 90% from the uh, free throw line. Almost 50, 40, 90. First round pick, 30th pick overall, just last season. He's coming in, he's seeing his free throws, he's hitting threes. He's shooting seven, seven threes a game at a 40% clip. Really impressive stuff, guys. I mean, on one side of the argument, you can say, well, this is supposed to happen because he's 23. His second season, he's 23. So, I mean, this guy, you know, he played some years in college and 
He has some experience. I mean, of course, he's supposed to come in and be NBA ready, but I mean, still 19 points a game. You know, for a shooting guard slash small forward, you know, starting in place. Uh, you know, one of the guys starting in place of the injured Dylan Brooks, who I hope comes back soon. Uh, you know, really impressive stuff. So, you know, his dimensions are underwhelming. He's like one of the those like just fundamentally sound guys. You see him and it's like, okay, he's 6'5". You know, he's got decent weight. He's got a short wingspan. He's not super athletic. Like, he's not super huge, but he just gets it done. So shout out to Desmond Bain because this is one of the, uh, you know, great, uh, you know, underrated talents in our league today. I mean, he's doing some really great things, um, you know, right now for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And guess who else is? De'Anthony Melton, guys, 13.8 points per game so far on 44% from the field, 45% from three. He's only shot two free throws, so that's not going to be one of the biggest parts of his game. He's not going to get to the line a whole ton, but he's going to make it happen from mid. He's going to make it happen from three. He's going to play great defense. That's one of the great things about DeAnthony Melton. You can stick him on a Clay Thompson, or you can stick him on a Gary Trent Jr., you know, somebody like that, that John might struggle with and be just fine. And uh, Steven Adams, let's give a quick shout to Steven Adams because many people, myself included, thought that when they swapped Steven Adams, they swapped, um, you know, Valanchunas and they got Steven Adams. You know, a lot of us were like, Adams is a worse player. He can't space the floor, this, that, and the other, but they're making it work because if you have DeAnthony Melton out there shooting 45%, you have Bain shooting 40%. You're going to get Dylan Brooks back, who's an absolute gunner. You have Jaron Jackson, who I think is going to be one of the best three-point shooting big men of all time. Then, having Steven Adams, you know, sometimes fucking up the paint, it's not a huge deal. It's not as bad as uh, you might have thought previously. So, I mean, Steven Adams is doing what Steven Adams does. I mean, averaging 10 points a game, 11.5 rebounds, and 3.5 assists. So, shout out to Steven Adams for putting up those assists. That's that's pretty awesome. Three and a half assists per game from the center position, guys, not to be taken lightly. So I think the Grizzlies are going to be uh, another great team. If they're in the playing game, I give them a great chance to make it out of it into the first round once again. And uh, they have a great future because they have a ton of picks at their disposal. They have a franchise player who's a borderline top five point guard in the game today. Pretty nice front office, great coach, great system. And uh they know how to get the best out of their guys, even if they're drafted in the second round or late in the first round. They're really good talent evaluators, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Memphis. I think they're going places, maybe not this season, but uh, they're going to be a feared, very feared team in this league very shortly because they do all the little things, and that's what gets you into the absolute elite tier in the NBA. Uh, let's move on to the championship bust tier here real quick to wind down this podcast. So let's start with a team. That is in everybody's mouth right now. As of tonight, they just recently blew a 26-point lead to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, who would be lucky to win 26, 28 games, to be honest. So where, where do we start? There's not enough time in this podcast to discuss all their issues, but one of the issues is health. I mean, it's just simple. Uh, Trevor Ariza has been out since the first game. Kendrick Nunn is out. THT is out. LeBron is out. AD's already been questionable. Ellington's missed games. I mean, that's like six players right there. We've played like the Lakers have played like five games so far. So it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. If you're trying to make it through the season healthy, LeBron and AD missed a crap ton of games last season. So the fact that they've both, you know, AD has been questionable. 
LeBron's already missed a couple games. It's not good. It's, it's not good at all. I mean, if you're not healthy, you're done, period. And this is a team that wants to win a championship. Those guys got to be available, both of them. Uh, I mean, that opens up more opportunity for Westbrook to come in and make his mark. But he's been inconsistent. You know, he's currently averaging the lowest points per game average of, you know, almost his career. I mean, since, since his sophomore season, you know, he's only shooting 42% from the field, 17% from three, and 47% from the free throw line. I would never understand. I would never understand what happened to Westbrook's free throw shooting. If we go back several seasons, he's at 84, 82, 80, 82, 83, 84. And then all of a sudden, in the 17-18 season, 73. That's not bad, right? That's average. And then he drops to 65. Like, why? His free throw attempts, you know, have fluctuated. You know, some, some years is a little bit more. Some years is a little bit less. But overall, I just don't get it. And then this, you know, last season, he was at 65 again. In Houston, he got back up to 76. It's like, okay, he's recovering. And he said, no, nah, I was just kidding. So he's only averaging 3.8 free throw attempts per game, lowest of his entire career. Even in his rookie season, he was at five free throw attempts per game. These rule changes are having an effect, guys. Effect on Harden, effect on Lillard, uh, you know, effect on Embiid, effect on Westbrook, clearly. I mean, all these guys are shooting less free throws than ever. It's really incredible. I want to see if this holds because this is an enormous development. It's really something. But anyways... He's got to get better. He's got to be more efficient, which I don't think it's going to happen. This is the big reason I didn't pick the Lakers as real contenders because Westbrook is just going to just submarine their chances of winning games. He's going to win them some games, no question, because he's still going to average near a triple-double, but he's going to shoot them in the foot. He's really going to shoot them in the foot sometimes. So that's just that's just awful. And then that loss in general last night was just unacceptable. I only caught the fourth quarter. But it was a it was a wild ride. Uh, there was two air balls that could have tied the game, like the last thirty seconds of the game. <clears throat> I was just really blown away by the lack of focus, the lack of concentration. Very troubling to see. You want a team with so many veterans to be better at taking care of the ball in the clutch, or just at least hitting the iron in the clutch, uh, just weathering the storm of a team making a comeback that has nothing to lose. Just didn't see that last night. Now they're two and three. Uh, you know, they could go on a run. I fully expect them to get it together for the regular season. But as a championship team, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. That's unfortunate, but it's just the way it's going to be for the for the LA Lakers. Mark my words, guys. They're going to get to the first and second round of the playoffs. Westbrook's going to lose them some games, and it's going to be wraps. I'm calling it right now. I, I love the Lakers. Hey, nothing against the Lakers. I'm just trying to keep it real. That's what I do on this podcast. I just keep it real. That's all I know how to do, just to put it to put it plainly. So we'll see. They're going to be fun. Uh, but yeah, LeBron needs to come back soon. These guys need to come back soon if they want to right the ship before things get too dire in the Lakers camp. Uh, how about the Brooklyn Nets? So we're going to talk about teams that are disappointing right now. The Brooklyn Nets are right there with the Lakers right now. So they are coming off a loss to the Miami Heat right here uh, in which – uh, you know, Harden had another very disappointing game. He only had 14 points and uh, he only had a few free throws again. I mean, Harden is getting hit harder, no pun intended, than probably any other player in the league right now in terms of just shooting less free throws. 
So another quote for you guys, because I know you love quotes so much. This is from Stat uh, Muse on Twitter. So they said uh, that James Harden has 15 free throw attempts in five games this season. It's the first time since 2011, 10 years ago, that he has attempted fewer than five free throws in five straight games. Unreal. Absolutely unreal, guys. I mean, he's shooting, he's barely shooting any free throws. Barely any free throws. And that's just going to just destroy his scoring numbers because he's relied so much over the years on getting to the line. That's just not happening anymore. Still averaging seven boards, still averaging eight assists. Uh, He's still hitting a decent amount of threes, uh, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's only at 33% from three. Not great. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he's used to shooting seven. I mean, when he was in Houston, guys, he was at 10 free throws a game. 10. Even 11 for a couple of seasons. He's at three right now. Through, uh, admittedly, 25 games, but three per game. That's just unbelievable for James Harden. And, I mean, he's not carrying his, the, the weight on his end, so they've lost some winnable games. And to make matters worse, Kyrie Irving's replacements, um, Javon Carter, Patty Mills, they just haven't provided the offensive punch. Patty Mills had, you know, a couple of games at the beginning uh, that really helped him out. But other than that, I mean, he's been kind of streaky. So if he's streaky, Javon Carter is not an offensive guy. He's a defensive guy. You know, Bruce Brown is a defensive guy. Their whole backcourt is like defensive-oriented guys other than Harden. And uh, Cam Thomas not getting minutes. You know, DeAndre Bembry is hit and miss. Joe Harris has been hit and miss. So if these guys can consistently knock down shots. Believe it or not, I never thought I'd say this about the Brooklyn Nets with the big three. They're going to have trouble scoring the ball. Imagine that. So as of today, uh, you know, they rank... 29th I didn't even know this 29th in offensive rating the Brooklyn Nets imagine that they're 18th in defense and uh you know having guys like Millsap and Aldridge and Blake Griffin on the front line their defense is never going to be great I I think they're going to hover somewhere between 15 and 20 maybe not awful but not good they have some problems to put in play they got some issues so Harden is the number one reason. If Harden gets back to being 80, 85% of Houston Harden, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Uh, he's still dishing the ball. He's still a great facilitator. He's still great at getting boards and playing some post defense. But without Kyrie, the, he, there's a bigger pressure on him to produce points that's not coming through right now. So whether it's due to conditioning, whether it's due to the new foul call procedures, whatever the case may be, Harden isn't Harden right now. He's not the same guy. So they got to figure that out quick. I'm sure they will. They still have KD. They still have a pretty pretty legit roster. Uh, they're going to come around. So the next game is against the Pacers uh, tomorrow, the 29th of October uh, at home. So a perfect chance to rally the ship because, as I stated early in the podcast, the Pacers are not doing well themselves. So I still have Brooklyn as my winner for the championship. But, I mean, if Kyrie doesn't go back this season, Harden is not Harden, it's just not going to happen. So LA and Brooklyn, they got some things to figure out and hopefully come sooner rather than later. Two more teams tonight before we wrap this up. Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I honestly don't have much to say about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I still have pegged them as a, a borderline, can, I won't say borderline, uh, a contender. 
they're definitely a contender. I mean, Milwaukee has some injuries right now. That's why they're struggling out of the gate. I mean, it's not like they're two and five or something like that. It's nothing drastic. It'd be the three and two. They have a winning record. They just been kind of meh. Seventh in offense, 22nd in defense through five games. Uh, you know, their next game is against the Spurs. They just lost against the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves are improved. So that's not a terrible loss, but Giannis is still Giannis. I mean, his stats are almost exactly the same as last season, uh, although his three-point percentage is up to 35, and his rim conversion uh, percentage is down to 72. Uh, it was 81 last season, so still pretty solid, but um, that's a little bit interesting. We'll see if that holds. Uh, Giannis becoming more uh, proficient outside of the paint and less inside the paint. That's that's weird, but I mean, guys are missing Drew Holiday. They're missing Dante DiVincenzo. Bobby Portis is missing games. They're going to be okay. That, there's no reason to worry about these guys. Um, maybe they don't finish as, with as, as high of a seed as I thought they would. Maybe they rest guys. I don't know. But they're going to be just fine. Uh, Jordan Nwora off the bench is going to be a revelation. Grayson Allen is going to be a good spot-up shooter for them and a nice little swing player. Pat Connaughton is a solid role player. They'll be fine. I don't have much to say about the Bucks other than um, I think they have a decent chance of winning a championship again. Uh, Giannis is going to be Giannis. Middleton's going to be Middleton. They know who they are. Coach Bud, I mean, this is like his fourth season with the team. They know who they are. There's no reason to worry about them. So they're good. Giannis is going to do his thing. And uh, once they get healthy, I think they're going to, you're going to see them have like a five, um, five wins out of six game stretch or seven out of eight. I think they're going to start to shoot up once they get their guys healthy. And it's just a matter of time uh, because and Milwaukee's going to take their time with getting these guys back uh, because they know that they have a great chance of winning a championship. So they can take it easy and they're going to do just that. And in the meantime, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some, but nothing, nothing to worry about. Let's see how they do against the Spurs. I expect them to kind of come out and bulldoze that team because Spurs uh, not equipped for Giannis. So we'll see how that uh, how that goes for them as they approach, uh, you know, the latter part of the season and once they get healthy. One last team, guys. Let's round this out in style. We're going with the Los Angeles Clippers, the fourth team in the championship or bust tier that I've created. And what's abundantly clear through just a few games is that scoring is going to be an issue. Uh, last night, against the Cleveland Cavaliers of all teams, not the greatest defensive team in the world. Only 79 points total. Paul George had 12 points. The game before that, Paul George had 14. Paul George got to step it up. He got he, he can't go into way off P right now because they don't have Kawhi. So it's kind of like how, uh, you know, the, the, the Blazers are kind of relying on Dame. Like they won't go far without Dame. This team isn't going anywhere without Paul George. He is the... He's everything right now. He's everything. Bledsoe is not going to be consistent. I mean, Reggie Jackson is good. I mean, you can't be relying on those guys to kind of get you, put you in the game, put you in position to win every night. That's not their job. They're not paid to do that. Paul George, max money, he's paid to do that. So he's got to be better. Uh, You know, Marcus Morris missing games doesn't help either. He's one of their big offensive contributors. They rely on him and he's not in the lineup. So they're suffering. Serge Ibaka is still hurt, even though he's been out for, I mean, I think like a whole season at this point. But I also think they'll be fine because Tyrell Lewis is a great coach. They're going to put guys in position to succeed. 
And uh, guys like Luke Kennard are going to be great. Terrence Mann as a great two-way player. I think Luke Kennard is one of the underrated players in our league. Uh, he can handle the ball a little bit. He's averaging 11 points right now. And, uh, you know, he's shooting a pretty solid percentage, 45%, which is a little bit above his percentage from three last season, six threes a game. Uh, you know, he's going to make a lot of free throws. So he's going to be a reliable contributor off the bench. Batum, they've got some veterans in there. Zubac is going to be a, a great rim protector. People don't understand how solid of a rim protector Zubac is. He's a real enforcer in there. So beside, between all those guys, even without Kawhi, they're going to be just fine. I, I don't think they're going to have a great season. I think they're going to be good. Uh, six, seven seed finish for them seems realistic. That's where I have them, uh, at least in the preseason I did. I wouldn't change that. Uh, I don't think they're going to you know, slump all the way to the back end of the play-in game. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. Uh, their defense is going to be solid uh, through these five games, through these four games. Uh, they're seventh in defense, so they're very sound on that end. Uh, and they have a plus 2.2 net rating, which is 13th. So a uh, pretty good team so far. They just got to get that offense out of the butt. And I think getting a Baca back, Paul George being Paul George, Bledsoe being more of a, a positive contributor on that end will help a lot. And they're going to be just fine. So that's the story on the Clippers, guys. I mean, that's about all I got for them. Uh, you know, so far... I think that they really need to kind of get Paul George going. That's the number one goal. If you do that, they're going to be fine. No championship without Kawhi, but uh, Tyra Luce and himself, they're just trying to steady the ship and just kind of ride the wave. That's all you can do sometimes in the NBA is just ride the wave, see where it takes you, and take advantage when the opportunity comes your way. So on that note, guys, that's going to be the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me solo. If you're still here to this point, I appreciate your time. Uh, very much and uh, I'll be back next week as I kind of try to juggle a lot of things going on right now with other podcasts other projects new job this then the other Um, but I'm still committed to the podcast game I still love to do it I'm still going to be here every week if possible uh, with other guests that love the game just as much as I do so um, be sure to tune in for that so as always you can find us at BC Basketball 2 Twitter and Instagram uh, bcbasketball.info is going to be uh, the web address if you want to check out the website check out some of the resources we had to offer there and there's going to be some uh, content coming soon on the site so be sure to check, check that out and check us out on social for the announcements so until next time guys i hope you enjoy the beginning of this nba season as we're back into another camp a great campaign uh, enjoy the exciting basketball enjoy the rest of your day whatever you happen to be doing and uh Hope to see you on the next installment of BCB. So until then, take care, and uh, we'll see you on here real soon.